welcome to Better Homes and Dungeons. Today, saddles. Do you go for comfort, function, appearance? That later. But right now, I'm talking to Jaren. Hey, that's me. So, Jaren, um, you, you are a friend of the podcast, I like to think. Um, or, or yeah, yeah, you're friends of the podcast because it's effectively on the same channel. Um, tell us, what is your project all about? Oh my goodness! I I love this question. Uh, so thank you. Monsters of Merca is uh, a gigantic, massive, uh, crazy, silly, high fantasy parody of United States pop culture. Uh, so everything from political satire to you know celebrities, movie stars, musicians, uh, different cities and locations, all of that fun stuff, all kind of gets molded together in this huge uh, campaign setting for 5th edition uh, Dungeons & Dragons. Um, we've been working on it since November of last year. We successfully funded on Kickstarter in June. Uh, and so now it has been every ounce of my free time for the last six months uh, and will probably continue to be for the next six months until I get it in the hands of the uh, folks who like it. But for me, it's just super exciting, very fun, very fulfilling. Uh, I would warn you to not listen then to the um, the first episode we recorded with B. Bass, who is the author of um, Power Outage, because he said it took him five years to get a completed product to market. So, oh, well, thank <laughs> don't. God, that's not terrifying at all. I'm, I'm definitely not worried. No worries at all. Definitely man. not. Not at all. No, no not even you're a right. Bit. Okay. No. Oh, wow, that's excellent. Um, now, I I did back the Kickstarter. My God, and, my um, Thank you. I don't think you needed specifically my help because you, you, what you've produced is, I think I gushed about it at the time saying, dude, this is really good work. Um, and we were lucky enough to get yourself, um, my brother, Ethan and someone, oh, I can't remember his name, but oh, it'll come what to me later. Guy's name? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, we sat down and, and we ran through something set in the universe of, um, Monsters of Mirka. I think we all had a very, very lovely time. Um, what I wanted to do first, though, was ask you the question that someone sent in, because I think this is a really good one. Now, this question was sent in from, um, I'm going to assume it's Nillers, when they say, how close is the politics of this setting compared and uh, to the real-life counterpart? That is a super fantastic question, uh, and it's one that I kind of wish I would have addressed much earlier on in the campaign, uh, because we sort of gave the wrong impression, right? I think a lot of people saw the campaign and saw some of our promotional art, and they thought, oh man, you know, this is just putting politics in my good, holy, pure Dungeons and Dragons that has no politics in it whatsoever, and I don't like that. None, uh, none. And, There's there are no none of that in 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 fifth edition. Oh yeah, all. exactly. No politics at all ever. Uh, you no, know, never. there's no modern. There's never any of... politics in um, video games, Jaron. You should yeah. know that. Yeah, and I mean, Game of Thrones. What's that even? No one's even heard of that. I mean, there's no politics yeah. in that show. Uh, no. So to, to answer that question, right? Um, the 
the idea behind Monsters of America, right, is to nobody is safe from the parry, right? So, uh, granted, you know, we we kind of chose uh, the Dawn as kind of our our, our great big uh, flagship antagonist. Uh, but one of the things that I'm very, very excited for... I think for a lot of people have chosen him as their great big antagonist. <laughs> I think many people didn't get You're to choose. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. just... No, a lot of people didn't get to choose that. It was forced <laughs> yeah. on them. Uh, so we actually just got art in for um, the uh, his kind of antithesis, who is another antagonist uh, in, in the series. Uh, it is a, a lizard person creature named Killery. Uh, and... Uh, Killery is, is a sort of a cult leader of the lizard people, uh, and she utilizes her, her great high-powered levels of influence to make her opponents disappear under mysterious circumstances. Uh, sometimes this comes about as them uh, committing suicide, allegedly. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's always that allegedly. mystery of, you know, did they do it or was it her? Uh, so that's that's kind of I think that is a really great way to look at the politics of, of the book. Right. We we do political figures. Right. But like like it like I said, you know, no one is safe. We, we want to touch a little bit on everyone. Uh, everyone gets a little bit of parody. Uh, one of my favorite things, though, is probably the closest to real world politics that we get to do is I spoke with Vermin Supreme. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Vermin Supreme is, he's uh, a, a huge political figure, a huge third-party political figure in the United States. Uh, you'll recognize him as uh, an older man with a, with a really tall boot on his head, attending a lot of libertarian political rallies. Uh, his platform includes topics like ponynomics, which is, you know, if he gets elected president, everybody in America gets a pony. I was oh. going to bring that up, and I yeah. think that is one of the most honest um, political promises I have pretty well ever seen. And oh, that's yeah, fun, totally. Noise. So we spoke to him, right? And I said, hey, uh, we're doing this great big political satire thing. Political satire is kind of like in your wheelhouse. How would you feel about us including you in the book uh, in much less of a parody fashion and much more of a... You know, it's just literally you. Like we can't, we can't really parody the the ultimate uh, political parody figure. Uh, he loved the idea. He was like, "Yeah, put me in the book. Make me a wizard. Give me these powers." And I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" So uh, we have you know a series of pre-generated characters, and our pre-generated wizard is the man, the myth, Vermin Supreme himself. Uh, we actually just got his art in not long ago. I love it. I'm such oh, a huge excellent. fan of this. He, he does look like a wizard, or like yes. how I would imagine a wizard would dress. Yes, yeah. And, uh, you know, we got to do the, I mean, everything. Just the classic, the boot on the hat, uh, the the man of many ties. It's it's so fantastic. I'm so excited. Excellent. Now, um, what, what I'd kind of have a bit of a love, bit of a discussion about is when it comes to world building, because we've all got our own different ways, when you sit down to do your world building, what what is... How do you design a world? What's your start point? What's our what? I'm sorry? Your, your starting point, where, where you oh. begin. Uh, so for approaches to world building, right? Monsters of America is not uh, the only world that we're building, you know, for publication. Some of them, you know, we have a, a couple of other worlds that are a little bit more serious. One of them is a sci-fi world. For us, we kind of start with, uh, you know, what is the flagship item of this world? Is it is it a creature is it a belief system? Is it a conflict? You know, why Why is this world a world that we want to tell stories about? You know, what makes this world unique? Um, 
So I'll tell you a little bit about, we have uh, this other one that we're working on it's, that's much longer term. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's kind of a world where what makes the world interesting is the geography of the world, right? It's a lot of, uh, you know, plateaus of different, uh, of different ecologies, all kind of mishmashed together. Uh, and it creates for a very unique, you know, visual setting, as well as, you know, really unique uh, zoology. You know, all, all of the animals, creatures, the, the flora and fauna of the world become very interesting because it's all of these biomes kind of mashed together. That, that's what makes that world interesting. For, for Merca, you know, it's the conflict. It's, uh, you know, the plight of the people, uh, their relationship to the celebrity figures. That's kind of what makes Merca interesting. So you start, you know, with that little nugget of what's special. You know, what, what do I want to tell stories about? And then you start building from there. You start, you know, what stories do I want to tell? Uh, and, you know, kind of find ways to, to really flex your creative muscles with those things. That's my approach. I think a lot of people have different approaches. Yeah, my, my approach, um, as, as we joked about, is I think of five or six really terrible jokes and then find ways to work them in. Yes, uh, that's the premise of Merca as a whole at this point. We actually just did a section <laughs> What's on... the worst joke we could tell? Donald <laughs> Trump becomes president. Oh, well, <laughs> shit. We actually oh, just God. did a session on Tuesday where the group uh, met... Uh, they, they went to a local blacksmith... Uh, and the blacksmith was populated by several young men who were all smiths. Uh, it was the Smiths. Nice. That was like, the whole joke. Like the members of the band, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, uh, and the looks go, that people. I got from the party. That's the good stuff. They were, so, they were so unpleased. Displeased? They were displeased. They, they were in a state of non-pleased. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I derive I derive negative pleasure from this, Jaron. Negative pleasure, <laughs> the opposite of good. Oh man, goodness! I mean, I'm, I I know what you mean. Like to start with an idea, um, the current homebrew world that um, we're running in is essentially Curse of Strahd, but he's a railway baron. Uh huh. I like that. Okay. And not a sex criminal. Oh, um, what, a, what an improvement over the character. I know. I, I thought, yeah, look, that's, that's kind of, having read a lot of Curse of Strahd and listened to a lot of discussion about it, it's like, yeah, that's, look, he's a bad guy. And it's good to know he's a bad guy. But he's also, I think, the most eligible bachelor I've ever heard. Railway operator and not a sexual predator. I mean, those are both wins in my well, book. Well... He's a predator in a lot of other ways, just not sexual. That's the tagline right there. A predator yeah, yeah. of many ways, but not, <laughs> not sexual. Not a sexual predator. Um, and, and I kind of like the idea of steampunk Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, I feel similarly. We uh, we have a lot of... Uh, I mean, it's, it's America, right? So we got a lot of guns, lots of guns and explosives. Uh, and working out uh, how to incorporate all of this technology into Merca has been very complicated. Like they have trains, but they don't have gramophones and, you know, they have guns, but you know, they don't have these and, and, and figuring all of that out, they have Facebook, but Facebook is called people portal and it, and it works entirely yeah, differently, good. but also exactly the same, you know, playing around with technology in world building is, is also really fun. It is. Cause I mean, I, I like the idea of, um, Eberron. I, I've I know very very little about it, but I like the idea of, hey, you've got these huge um, airships powered by enslaved fire elementals. You've got 
you know, these warforged walking around, you've got a wonderful combination of fantasy and noir. Yeah, they have a and they I have like a, their own train that's as awesome. well, the lightning rail. Yeah, that's that's cool. I love it. Like, I I want every robot in. This is probably because I played um, a lot of the SteamWorld games. Every robot needs a hat. <laughs> I am so in favor of this. I want that on a T-shirt. Well, I'll consider it. I'll call Boston <laughs> Dynamics. Let's make this happen. Yeah, just just put hat guys. If you want people to like them. And, and and trust you as a company? Hats. I'm so picturing that board meeting. Two words, gentlemen, two words. Silly hats. No, not even silly. Oh. Hats. Well, that's not Top two hats, words at all. Cowboy hats. <laughs> Come on, people. Workshop it. I, I don't imagine that going well. Um, now, <laughs> I remember one thing we kind of talked about is you've you've played a lot more pathfinder than fifth edition is that right uh that was correct last we spoke uh but because i've been running so much 5e content for merca i have now officially played more 5e hour per hour than i have pathfinder excellent looking at the transition because i know people love pathfinder um and i don't know a lot about the second edition because it's really really rules dense Mm -hmm. whereas fifth ed is more Hey, look, here's some basic principles. Go figure it out. Yeah. What mm-hmm. kind of, what, which do you prefer, like design-wise? Which do you think is a, more to your taste? That you is, oh man, that's such a great question because I, I am and always will be a Pathfinder guy, but that's because I'm the kind of person who, you know, if, if I want to backflip over a person, grab another person, hold them hostage, and use them as a meat shield... And then somebody says, oh, yeah, there's a rule for that. That just makes me so giddy. Nothing makes me happier okay. than there being like a specific explanation of how to execute this maneuver or, or how this specific bit of lore works. And that's very much how Pathfinder is structured. You know, it's very crunchy. It, it is very rules heavy. Uh, second edition uh, does a really good job. Actually went to PaizoCon just a few months ago in Seattle mm. um, and uh, to, to, to learn more about second edition. And they do a great job of introducing some of the you know excuse me the the ease of use for a new player it's very easy for a new player to get spun up on second edition uh pathfinder mm-hmm. which is kind of the same core idea behind fifth edition dungeons and dragons uh but it also still has those crunchy rules the, the it's very rules oriented like you said i mean the core rule book is uh thicker than any college textbook i've ever laid hands on uh and i like that um i have not played an exorbitant amount of second edition pathfinder for me I enjoy writing for 5e so far more than Pathfinder. Um, and I've done a bit of both, but I enjoy 5e because uh, so much of it is, you know, uh, it doesn't require a lot of double, triple, quadruple checking. You know, does this also affect A and B and C, you know, third and fourth, uh, fourth order effects? You know, if, if I want to knock a creature down, they're knocked prone and that's it. And I don't have to worry about a lot of other things. It's very, very easy to design for 5e when compared to something like Pathfinder 1st Edition. Yeah. I imagine monsters are much easier because, I mean, from what you've said, like, I can think of, okay, I can think of how you would do what you just said, mm-hmm. which would be, okay, I need to see a successful acrobatics roll. Then I'd need a successful grappling. And then what I'd do is I'd probably have... 
a situation where I would increase your armor class by say three or four because you're behind something or mm. someone. Mm. Um, but I'd say, look, if they roll between say a low armor class and a higher one, but not quite at your new armor class, then they hit their friend. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's great. And that's, that's honestly a really good way to approach that. Uh, the, the beauty of 5e is that you as the DM get to decide that uh and that, that's kind of a, a pro and con situation for yeah. me because as as a 5e dm you have to be able to do something like that on the fly uh yeah. and so it requires you know some, some very good improvisational thinking whereas pathfinder is either like you know yes you can there's a rule for that or no hang on let me figure this out yeah i, th- I think that's i think it, i mean that is in some ways where i think 5e falls down it's like okay how good is your DM? Yes. How open are they to change? Like, in in the groups I play with, the, the weekly group where we record, I am the only DM, often. Like, most of the time, I'm the only person who really dungeon masters. I know one of the... Oh, his name just his, his name just eludes me at the moment. Um, <laughs> but he runs, like, a, an improv session with, with his podcast. I think it's, like failing talk or something um he's gonna be so upset when he hears this this is great um um <laughs> but the other game i play in and the other games i sorry I, I should say sorry that i play in it's a bunch of dms mm-hmm. so between us and there's usually like five or six of us we're pretty good on the rules like we've all kind of got a bit of a a bit of a grasp on okay here's how you do this but it's also quite often where we'd say hey um does anyone know the rules for this off the top of their head and it's kind of amazing where you can have like say two or three different answers it's like oh i've always played that like this yeah yeah i see that a lot um at my table on tuesdays i have one guy who has dm'd extensively uh and he really doesn't like to backseat DM. You know, he he knows very much like, okay, I'm a player in this game. I need to not tell him how the rules go. But there are a lot of times where, you know, something will come up. You know, a player says, well, I want to do this. And I will look, his name is Brad. He's actually one of the co-writers on Monsters of America. And he's very, very rules heavy. Somebody will say, I want to do this. And I will look at Brad and I will say, can they do that? And he'll remind me, you know, well, that's really your call to make whether or not they can do that. <laughs> Uh, but there is a rule that was... Damn it, Jared, can you do your job? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so playing with at least one other DM in the party is great. Playing with many DMs in the party, because like you said, 5e is is not so uh, stringent on the way that the rules are run. You will oftentimes find people who have been using one particular variant rule or a homebrew rule that just is not rules as written anywhere and so everyone else at the table says well i've never heard of that that sounds made up and the reality is oh no it is it is exactly made up well the whole game's made up this is true that's rule zero of like, uh, dungeons and dragons the dn is I, uh, the final rule yeah I, th- I thought rule zero was look if if you break any of the rules or if you get anything wrong don't worry chris perkins is not gonna you know kick your door down and, and shout at you Although if that was the case, I I would just break rules left, right, and center. And just oh yeah, like, I, I can't imagine hey, anything more fun than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that that'd be that'd be like crack. That'd be great. <laughs> um, but no, I, I I like the idea of okay. 
figure it out. Mm-hmm. But but again, I mean, that comes down to how strong and how willing your DM is to, to, I guess, play with rules. Like one other rule we have is the spell Thunder Wave. Are you familiar with that one? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. There are two ways Thunder Wave can be played. One is a square that emanates from the center of the caster. The other is they can project it outwards from them because it doesn't specify which it is. Mm-hmm. My table is, guys, you can go either. It's your choice where you project this thing from. Right, right. But I do know one or two DMs who go, hmm, about that one. But but again, I mean, that's just us continually saying, guys, your DMs are going to be different because these can all be interpreted different ways. Yeah, absolutely, man. There are a lot of rules like that in 5e. I think the most popular one that I've seen discussed is uh, if a druid uses wild shape and somebody uses power word kill on that druid while they're wild shaped, does the druid die? Uh, and this is a question that is so hotly debated in the 5e community. Oh, I love this that'd question. Be fun. Yeah, right? See, oh. you see the problem. <laughs> yeah. Has Sage Questions covered that? Because usually they cover all these things. And that's, that admittedly is like one of my favorite resources to recommend to, to, to dungeon masters of any stripe. Is like, just go check that. It's usually uh, like Jeremy Crawford I, or Mike Merles that answers it. So I think actually Mike Merles weighed in on that. Oh, and, okay. Uh, it, a lot of the verbiage has to do with the way Wild Shape works. And it's, uh, you know, if your HP drops to zero, then you revert back to your normal form. But power word kill does not decrease your HP. It just kills you, which is technically different. Uh, and so, Mike, I think, if I remember correctly, weighed in that the druid would die. Or that you would well, basically revert yeah. to your previous form and you would be dead when you reverted. All right. Good to know. Yeah, very useful. Well, there we go, people. We, we've answered your question. There, there you go. I mean, yeah. Now, I'm... Um, <laughs> To, to bring it back to your to your, to your Monsters of Mocha thing, now I understand you are also creating a bunch of different classes and whatnot? Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Excellent. I read one of them was like a, a Rambo kind of class. Yeah, so like a gunslinger, but, but more action. Oh, sorry. Thank you. I got you. Um, yeah. Thanks, man. That was Josh tapping his chest with a fist, <laughs> um, which is a wonderful visual reference that no one gets. Um. I also know you've got a barbarian of the gains. Uh, yeah, Brobarian is uh, the path of oh. title that we've chosen. It's so good. I love it. I love the jokes. They're bad, but I love them. That's that's that was Josh doing a chef kiss. <laughs> All of these that's visual great. cues, I appreciate them. Yeah, that's good. What makes the Brobarian, and I'm that's 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 it. For me now on that one um what makes that really different to the barbarian how did you change that one fantastic question uh so the brobarian was another one of brad's brainchild uh brain children uh we sat down he he was workshopping and he uh, thought you know how i believe do we, make... we call them brains cerebral spawn <laughs> cerebral spawn we we sat down and we were like okay we need a we need a brobarian like we started with a title brobarian we were like that's perfect what's it do uh, and ultimately we settled on, uh, it's a bit like, um, a barbarian mixed with, uh, Pathfinder second editions, alchemist class in as much as this 
this brobarian I in, in the morning. Exactly, you would say this. Go on. Great. Uh, in the in the morning, uh, he brews uh, a protein shake, uh, and the protein shake can be consumed by. I, I see this face you're making. The protein shake can be consumed by the brobarian to give him an enhanced rage uh, called Roid Rage, uh, and. Roid Rage, it, it has some extra fun features, uh, but the protein shake can actually be passed off. This is kind of my favorite part of the class. It can be passed off to any member of the party, and if that member of the party consumes it, they enter a rage equivalent to a level one barbarian. So, you know, okay. you could you could pass off your pre-workout protein shakes to your party's monk uh, and have them just go ballistic. Uh, you know, these are these are kind of the ways that it can, it, it can be made fun. Yeah. That's cool, man. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love this. It's one of my favorite classes that we've got. Uh, are these classes going to be available separately or only in the world book? Uh, we're going to do them separately as well. I know a lot of people nice. don't really buy into campaign settings. You know, they, they don't want to have to sift through an entire world's lore just to, you know, get to the uh, action hero Rambo class. Uh, so we figured, you know, we'll try and keep the keep the world book as it is, right? Uh, but also, you know, offer the other things as uh, piecemeal for those who are interested in just bits and pieces. Yeah, and also, I mean, to to kind of, I guess, sit down and go, okay, guys, let's let's discuss the capitalism of this situation. Um, by having those little products out, it actually gives you a really, really nice kind of sec- like an income stream for the project to keep it all on track. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also give you guys a little bit extra, which is lovely. Yeah. Plus, uh, and this is this is also super useful. You get to kind of flex your data analyst muscle and see, you know, well, which of these uh, onesie twosie uh, pieces do they like the most, so that we can kind of look at it, analyze it, look at what makes it the fan favorite, uh, and then kind of utilize that information as we write more content later. Okay, that that'd be cool. That, that that'd be a cool pun to run. Do you prefer the Brobarian or the Action Hero? Oh man, uh, so to play the action hero, but that is purely because the action hero is so, so very versatile. Um, it is, it is almost like an amalgamation of, um, a monk and the gunslinger class that Matt Mercer did for 5e. Uh, you know, they, they have, um, uh, things similar to the gunslinger's trick shots. Um, they're called signature moves. Uh, you spend adrenaline points to to use them. So that the nature of the action hero class is, uh, you know, you you want to constantly be in the action. And there are a couple of things you can do to generate adrenaline for your character. And you spend adrenaline to do these signature moves. One of my favorite signature moves is called catchphrase, where your character uh. just utters a one liner, and then the uh, the everyone that hears you has to make a saving throw or suffer the effects of that ability uh and, you know we just gotta we get to play with a lot of things like that and they're super super fun excellent i mean it was kind of um you know there's a jason statham movie yes where he uh, has to stay like adrenalized i guess crank. Is the, thank you that's didn't they have crank too they did uh weird uh weird uh, tidbit uh chester bennington uh the the late lead vocalist of lincoln park makes a cameo in crank 2 and I can't imagine why or how that happened, but that's a real thing. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I can see why that would fit. Like, I mean, you, you think about the chorus of their most, you know, the, the song that kind of really started it for them that I can recall. It was like, one step closer to the edge. Yeah, okay. Totally valid. Yeah. I mean, you're right. And, it, and that's kind of totally like fitting. what Crank is. It's like he's one step closer to the edge all the time. Yeah. I and just, that's I how want... the man has to move. 
I want to imagine the phone call where you know somebody on the on the production team says we should have a celebrity cameo. Does anybody here know any celebrities? And some other guy goes, "Well, my well, we're making a movie. We know at least cousin, one. Yeah, my <laughs> my sister's cousin knows the guy from Lincoln Park. Does that work?" And they're like, eh, "Yeah, I mean that sounds great. Let's do it." Yeah, the celebrity cameo thing. It's, I mean, in your world, it works. <laughs> I was about to say, like, I, I'm a little bit making an entire world off of it, so I hope it works. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, it's when someone isn't a celebrity that it's a cameo. Yes. Yeah, we um, so we have uh, a list of people who op- operate as kind of our, our iconic pre-generated uh, characters. Uh, and they're sort of like playable celebrity cameos. Um, one of them, for the action hero, actually, is Sigourney Weaver. Uh, who was uh, Ellen Ripley in the Aliens franchise. We thought, man, wouldn't it be cool to be able to play her as the action hero that she really is? Uh, and, yeah. you know, we have we have cool art of her wielding this crossbow, the pistol on her belt, looking like, you know, nobody can mess with me. And it's super awesome. I'm a huge fan of it. Nice. I, I do like that. Fun- funnily enough, I was actually chatting to my nephew and um, my boy, and my nephew was talking about the Alien movies. And, like... You know, had, he was asking me if I'd seen them. I'm like, yeah, I've I've seen most of them. They're they're pretty good. <laughs> All right. They're reminiscent of that uh, Spider-Man uh, scene where he'd be like, oh yeah, you guys remember that really old movie, Star Wars? And everyone in the group is like, man, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, that's what we don't need. We like that generation's gonna do me in. I know. I totally relate. Although, I mean, did you see they're bringing back 90210? What? Oh, well, so I'll be honest with you. I didn't know 90210 went away. I've never seen a single episode of that show. Well, my my eight-year-old saw it, an ad for it, sorry, the, the new everything. And he said, Dad, what's that all about? And I just had to say, look, um, it just proves that everyone dad's age is old now and we're out of ideas. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. They uh, they brought back Baywatch. Uh, I'm working my way up to the newest season of X Files. Uh, Hollywood is reboot after reboot after reboot. Uh, to include Jay and Silent Bob's movie about a reboot happening about their movie, which is super meta. But I'm also a huge fan of Kevin Smith, so that works for me. But yeah, That's our right. whole culture is based on recycling ideas. So you know, why not recycle our whole culture into a D and D book? Oh man, what a great idea that would be. That is great. And I, and I suspect you're going to have a lot of, I mean, look, bringing out Zeitgeist is a great thing for a dungeon master to do as well. I mean, we, we joked about Curse of Strahd essentially being, you know, you, you're taking on a, a, a sex predator person. Um, I mean, that's really now, guys. Yeah, I can see I mean, that with, for sure. Without, without us throwing any humor into the situation, um, as we've been doing um, a lot, if you look at things like, okay, well, what's Curse of Strahd about and, and its relevance in today's society, it's like that we shouldn't romanticize these characters or these figures. Yeah, yeah. Strahd uh, is straight up a bad guy and a bad guy. Are there people romanticizing Strahd that nobody warned me about? Should I be afraid of this? There is. And look, this is not to pick a fight with the person that runs the Strad von Zorovich um, account on Twitter. You're not a bad person. You're great. I, I love what you do. It's it's really good fun. Um, it's more along, there's always going to be someone who romanticizes something or someone terrible. 
Oh, yeah. No, we just had a conversation about the uh, romance between Harley Quinn and Joker, uh, which is very, very similar. You know, a lot of people romanticize that. And that's just Stockholm Syndrome with no extra yeah. steps. I, I've got a friend um, that I know through what I do for a living. And she and her boyfriend at the time did the Joker, Harley Quinn thing. And it's like, guys, that's toxic. Yeah. That's uh, that's not good. You don't want fun. That. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, this is also coming into what you were saying at the start. Like, we, we, we never bring politics or anything into the game. It's like, no, guys, it's always there. And that's fine. In fact, it's great. Because it gives us what can be a very safe space to look at a reflection of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Why do we think Strahd's terrible? Why would we give him a pass? Yeah. You know, it's- this is one of the core uh, tenets that we approached Monsters of Mirko with. And this was something that we, we agreed upon from the outset and then, you know, put a lot of effort into actualizing, which was if nobody is safe from parody in this book, then there should be at least one section in this book that parodies us. And then, you know, the follow-up to that is if it doesn't offend us a little bit, uh, it's probably not really effective parody, right? So we, we kind of had to find other groups than you know just the three of us who are very similar people to to get an outside interpretation of how to make fun of ourselves in a way that like is is not too far off from you know depicting the don as as a big bulbous orange creature right something that i think if he saw he would be upset but if anybody else saw they would think haha what a funny caricature uh so that's something that we really struggled with um you know we struggled with how to include things like white privilege in our book without explicitly saying, you know, one race is an allegory for white people and one race isn't. Because, uh, you know, that's 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 waters that you definitely that's... don't want to get into. Yeah. How do you do that? Uh, human privilege is the path that we took. Uh, where, okay, uh, good choice. That, that way it's, uh, it's and it's not uh, explicitly all humans are white. You know, that's that's not it at all. It's, it's good, more good, that... good to put that out there. Put that yeah. out there real hard, Jaron. Right? <laughs> uh, it, it's more that, you know, humans tend to view and i think this is this is true both in world and for players who play human characters uh humans tend to view other races uh in uh, high fantasy settings as modified versions of themselves so you know if if you were to describe an elf to someone you would say well it's like a human but they're tall and skinny and they have pointy ears or an orc is like a human but they're big and mean and green and that's a very human-centric way of looking at things, much in the same way that a lot of white, uh, a lot of white people have like a very white people-centric way of looking thing, uh, at things, and it's it's just very ingrained in the way that we approach things. Uh, and so that's that's kind of how we're illustrating that in our book is you know humans humans tend to do that, uh, and they they tend to use that as uh, I mean, sometimes even unintentionally, but it tends to be a way that the other creatures of the world get sort of oppressed. They, they lack that privilege of being human and therefore being what, what the humans consider to be normal, right? Mm. No, I, I see what you mean. That's really cool. I mean, when, when you approach that, though, like what kind of people do you talk to and say, hey, are we doing this right? That is also a great question. You're asking all the right questions because I have Thank answers you. for these as of, you know, hours ago tonight uh, because we've been making a lot of progress on that. So we hired I'd a love to I'd love to say we'd work together, but there's certainly no collusion. Yeah, there was no collusion. <sighs> much Slam like other people. situations. Yes. Except this time it's real and honest. Well, <laughs> um, Crimea, well, Crimea <laughs> River. <laughs> hey. So uh, 
So we hired, uh, we brought on a couple of sensitivity readers. Um, this is a position that I did not know existed that was uh, brought to my attention by Brad. Um, because like I said, he's just such a pleasure to work with and he's very, very well educated in ways that I'm not, uh, particularly in social uh, spheres. So, excuse me, uh, Brad said, hey, we should consider bringing on some sensitivity readers. These are essentially people from uh, a background that you're intending to include uh, in a story. It's, it's not you know, limited to, to tabletop RPGs. This can go for anything from video games to movies, right? But this person will read... If only it written. did. Yeah, I know. Uh, this person will read what you have written. Uh, it, it's good to involve them early on. And they'll say, you know, mm. hey, this might rub people the wrong way for this reason that you might not know about. So, for example, we have this big extended history section in the beginning of the book talking about the history of Merca, which obviously is meant to be allegorical to the history of America. And for many of us who know, uh, America's history is not so great. You know, we our, our ancestors did not do very many nice things. They did many things that are nothing short of atrocities. I, I, I um, think that could stand for almost everyone's ancestors. Yeah. Because, I mean, the, yeah. the Aztecs were certainly not the nicest people. Exactly. So, so you know, part of that was uh, pushing out the the native Americans, um, and and you know, we wanted to write that in a way that you know didn't pretend like that didn't happen. You know, that was the one thing we we for sure didn't want to do is we didn't want people to look at our history section and think, wow, you really snubbed Native Americans by just pretending like that never happened. Uh, you know, even though our book is is comedy oriented, it's very much meant to send a message, right? We we're we're making a point in our parody. It's parody with a purpose, uh, and we're we're kind of using parody much in the same way that stand up comedians will do, where we're using parody to say like, "Hey guys, have you noticed this thing that many people do? It's kind of funny, but it's also kind of like a problem." Uh, so you know, we I, I have this uh, this long, long time friend of mine. We met in a uh, Legend of Zelda Facebook group of all places. Um, her name is uh, Vladia, and she uh, is of Native American uh, descent. And I asked her, I was like, "Hey, would you be interested? I'd be happy to pay you. Would love to pay you for your time. Would you consider reading this section and just telling us what you think?" And she read can it. I she make one like, small interjection? Oh, yeah, you said you would pay a professional for their time. I, I know, mind blowing, right? A Why creative, would anyone do that? a creative professional for their yeah. time I, I should have just said hey i need exposure oh man which reminds uh, you know i'll get to that in a second because it's fun right. uh, but first yeah so uh i, I talked to uh Bledia and she she read through the section uh she said yeah actually uh you know this is good uh it, at least you talked about it you did you did kind of miss this and maybe you should focus on this and you shouldn't shy away from this uh, and, you know, we got a lot of great notes from it. We're actually in the process now of revising it so we can send it back to her and, you know, get her to, to say, like, hey, you know, this is much better. Uh, see if she has any other things that she wants to change. Um, and that's that's a big thing that, that we want to do with our work is, you know, we, we want people to feel included. Uh, we want people to feel like they have a voice. Um, you know, even though no one is safe, everyone should feel safe. Does that, does that make sense? It does. I mean, yeah. it, I think it's like... When you sit down at a table of good people to play D&D, you know that you're going to get slam dunked on, uh, yeah. but not in a way that says, I don't like you. Right. But in a way that says, we're here together to have a lovely time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, mm. I think, you know, a lot of people have that relationship with many of their close friends where, you know, if, if you're friends with someone, you're very polite to them. But if you're close friends with someone, you're awful to them. They're an asshole. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. great. Exactly. 
Yeah. I, I will not use the um, Australian word that describes someone as a very close friend. Um, <laughs> it has four letters <laughs> and I don't use it. I mean, I could have got Ethan in just for like those 30 seconds. Hey, Ethan, what's the word Australians use for their really close friends? <laughs> thanks. Great, thanks. <laughs> yep, yep. Thanks, dude. That's all I needed. Oh, man. And, it, and it's funny that you would mention uh, the paying the professionals because that's been such a big staple in what we do. You know, every artist that I talk to, I pay my artists up front. Uh, I don't I want them to feel invested in the work that they do. That's that's a big thing that we do here. Um, and uh, we have we have another subclass. Uh, which is a sorcerer subclass. And the sorcerer, of course, gets their powers from their bloodline. This sorcerer's subclass gets their powers because their bloodline is just it's a bunch of really rich people. Uh, and so all of their magical powers are based around wealth and finances. Um, because of this, we wanted to add some new currency options. I know it's it's very it's a very strange concept. Yeah, that's uh, that's not um that's not political, dude. Like you're not um not at all. Not even slightly. Zero no, percent. No, mm. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, so we, we, we all know capitalism has never killed anyone. <laughs> never. Flawless system. Yeah. As long as you never read about the East India companies. The East oh, what? God. The British or Dutch East India companies that enslaved large tracts of people and essentially worked them to death. Oh, no. Never heard of them. That's totally new information there you go. to me. Uh, in, in there you class, go, Americans. Go look at that. In, in this class, we have introduced uh, two new forms of currency. One is just called the buck, uh, because, you know, Americans are very attached to their terminology. So the buck is... Uh, also, if you didn't know this, uh, uh, currency in 5th edition is uh, by tens, not hundreds. So one mm. silver is 10 copper, not 100 copper. Uh, a lot of people didn't know that. I didn't know that. That was new information. So a buck is just 10 gold. It takes the place of, you know, platinum and a lot of people, or latinum or, or electrum, depending on what you're playing. Uh, but yeah. then in the other direction, right? Uh, so 10 of these equals one copper, which is arguably, uh, you know, already useless. So you, you can get 10 uh, exposure. And exposure uh. is, uh, you know, if you save up enough of it over a long enough period of time, you can get a whole copper's worth of money. Uh, boy, I can't wait to be paid an exposure box. They're so handy. Oh, that that look of disappointment tells me I did this it's not right. Disappointment, you did it right. I'm so pleased. <sighs> no, I'm 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 in the position where this year is the first year where I've purchased art. Um, some is um our character art from our D and D campaign. The other is a logo, and I've put down the deposit on the character art um the logo cost me a sandwich because it's with a good friend of mine um nice. and it's going to be a it's going to be a sexy logo oh yeah it's it it's, it's going to podcast it's for this podcast oh yeah yeah i'm excited we actually just uh, whip riding crop gimp mask saddle <laughs> Ooh, saddle leather i love yep. it yep yep uh, it's so gonna be we, bad <laughs> we just decided on a name for our imprint uh which uh not we're not super ready to talk about yet we're still waiting for some of the paperwork i hate to tease you with this information if that's what I you called it the imp print that'd be great <laughs> the imprint. uh so this this imprint we just got the logo for uh and it's, it's a logo where i had the idea but I, I my hands don't like to do the art unless the art is words so i couldn't make it happen with my hands uh and we got the logo back last week 
And oh my God, Josh, I'm so stoked. It's everything that I wanted and I can't wait. Is, for is there a chance of, of Josh getting a look at this at some there point? There is 100% a chance All that right. Josh can get a look at this. All I would right love then. Josh to see it because I think he's going to love it too. He, he, he's, he's very easy to, to amuse. I bet uh, while we're talking, I can get it, shoot it to you on Twitter, and then we can get All your right. reaction in the podcast. Okay. All right. We, we, awesome. we can definitely do that. So, yeah, I mean, everyone, capitalism has killed people. Maybe don't say it hasn't. If you learn one thing from this podcast, let it be that. <laughs> capitalism has killed people. Yeah. It's it's not flawless, guys. Um, no, that is really, really cool. I mean, I, I agree with the idea of throwing in the exposure bugs. That's, that's cool and it's nasty, but it's the right kind of nasty. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I think this is this is good stuff, people. Yeah, I that's that's a big thing is you know we we want people we want to give people the fuel to have those those fun jokes and jabs with their friends, but not in a way that's harmful or hurtful to anyone. That's yeah. not what we're going for. Because you know? I mean, there's um there's that game on Kickstarter that um Brandon the Swordsfall guy. Ooh, I got a message in Twitter. I'm going to finish this point though. Um, that Brandon the Swordsfall guy. Yeah, yeah, has mentioned he's cool by the way um he's such a cool dude very good taste in music um and it's this game and it's like a card game where white privilege is like a card that you play and it's like <laughs> oh. oh but that's so good because uh, one of the one of the great token pieces of speech from people with white privilege is, oh, you're playing the race card. So that is I such a great way to yeah. turn that on its head. I love that. Yeah, he's not complimentary about the game. <laughs> he's really not. Okay, I've, I'm looking at a photo. Okay, I'm Don't loading this photo. Line. I like this. I am so pleased with this. I am not giving anything away. I like I'm it. Really, really pleased that the iconography that I can pull out of this—it's very good. Simple icon. It's I'm, yeah. I'm in love. Yeah, I'm not in love. It's 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 more visceral. Yeah, I'm glad there's I'm glad there's a table in this room. It it yeah. Um, <laughs> so that your jaw had something to hit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> that went a complete opposite direction to where I was going, Jaron. But fair enough. <laughs> <mate>. um, <laughs> Not quite that intense, people, but that is a that is some lovely that is some lovely typographic work. Oh, I, man. I, I I'm really glad that, that you enjoy it. I, I very much do. Um, now, unfortunately, I do have to work for a living, which sucks. Um, ah. And I am going to be unfortunately finishing up on on on, on this uh, podcastery interview business. Um, Jaron, people, they. Is Monsters of Mirka, once it launches out on its Kickstarter thing, are you going to be hosting it on DMs Guild or RPG Drive-Thru or anything? Yep, uh, it's going to be live on Drive-Thru RPG. Uh, that's that's where it's going to live. We're super stoked about having that there. Uh, we'll have our own uh, storefront up as well, uh, but all of our product material is going to move through Drive-Thru RPG after the Kickstarter fulfillment. Uh, Kickstarter for filming, you know, we're going to do all of the books and things and ship them out directly. Uh, so those will be directly through us. But after that, everything's through Drive-Thru RPG. So in other words, you're going to um, essentially take care of your Kickstarter, your crowdfund obligations prior to launching. Wow. Well, guys. I know. Shocking. Not political. Not political. 
<laughs> not political. Just no, good. no, not at all. Just, just there's, there's a, there's a, um, there's a motto to live by. People, I'm not political. I'm just good. <laughs> I love it. And that's that's what we should all aspire to. Um, everyone, uh, Jaron, people should should chase you down on Twitter and, and say lovely things to you. I would love that. Although uh, it looks like in this photo you've had a haircut, oh, and in your Twitter photo you have not. You are correct. That photo that you're looking at is probably ten years old. That's an old photo. All right then, I I, I support the long haired Jaron. But um, yeah, people should people should track you down on Twitter. How can they do that? <clears throat> so you guys can find me uh, at Jaron R M Johnson. Uh, that's my that's my full name. Um, uh, you can also find uh, Monsters of Merca has its own Twitter account. Uh, MonstersofMerca.com will take you to the Kickstarter. For those of you guys that missed the Kickstarter, you can now do pre-orders through the Kickstarter, and you'll get your items at the same time that our Kickstarter backers will. Um, that's that's totally an option for you guys. Uh, and we also have a Discord. Uh, I'm not going to read the URL because that would be obnoxious, uh, but it is available on my uh, Twitter if you guys would like and on our Kickstarter page as well. Come hang out. Come say hi. I monitor it 24-7, 365. I would love to talk to you guys. Excellent. And people, if you play your cards right, you can even you can even talk to Jaron like I am now. It's great. Yeah. It's really good. And uh, you know, I heard oh, Josh sorry. is in that Discord too. I am. I, I very rarely use Discord because I find it intimidating. Oh, you're missing out, man. I love Discord. Twitter. Twitter doesn't scare me. Discord, I think, uh, is too... Uh, I can't do it. That's amazing. You and I feel the opposite. Uh, Twitter terrifies me. Opposites attract, my friend. That um, they do. Saddles, and I my have, friend. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to get that saddle. Um, <laughs> I, of course, can be found at Nerdy People D&D. Um, the, I would ask people, please go along to our iTunes page, leave, leave maybe some, a couple, of, more than a couple, somewhere more than four, maybe, that'd be great. Um, some kind of nice review, that'd be lovely, so people can find out about the silliness we engage in. Um, and as always, um, everyone be good. The music was from Kevin McLeod over in CompTech because it was free and I'm cheap. Jaron, it's been <laughs> lovely talking to you again. Oh, lovely to talk to you, as always, Josh. I love you, man. You're great. Oh, Thanks, man. I think you're you're real good too. Aww. Um, <laughs> all right, everyone, be good. Love each other. See ya. Farewell.